This is Pop Culture Yearbook. On this show, we pick pieces of pop culture that were important to us in a given year. We then discuss memories and dig into those movies, albums, shows, and more. I'm Brad. I'm Pete. And I'm Giff. And tonight's episode is one of those and more episodes because we've got a special guest on. I'm pretty excited to hear um, a lot about her and some stories. She's got a pretty interesting background. So we have Shelly Herman on. And um, she has written a book recently, and she's been involved in a lot of different things in Hollywood that I think we want to hear about. So, Shelly, do you want to just uh, introduce yourself and say hi first? Hi, everybody. Nice to meet all of you. And um, I'm really excited about this format. I can't wait to see um, how you pick my brain on on different pop culture oh. subjects. All right. Well, we are not uh, professionals. So a lot of professionals. We'll do our best. We will be after this, though. Yeah. Oh, We're yeah. We're going to get all kinds of calls and... So the, the first question we're going to ask you, we ask every time we have any guest on for the first time, we ask, because we talk about our pop culture influences. So we want to know what were some of your pop culture influences uh, from your life that kind of helped get you into maybe what you like to do in Hollywood or that just were important to you as a kid or growing up whenever you want. So what are a couple things that stand out that you always go back to? Well, to put things kind of in the era, um, I was born in 1955. No way. So I kind of got the tail end of some of those classic old shows, but was young enough to start understanding that there was something really special about the Dick Van Dyke show, let's say. Mm-hmm. I, I, I would, I, to this day, if I'm walking by a TV screen and the Dick Van Dyke show is on, even though I probably have the episode memorized, uh, I would say that that was definitely a huge, huge influence. Um, when, when I grew up in Calabasas, which is now like a very posh place mm-hmm. to live, um, I, we didn't get a lot of television. Uh, and there were many nights when my dad would climb up on the roof and grab onto the antenna and like, oh, oh, yeah. can you see the Adams family now? Now? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it'd be those kind of nights. And then um, I would babysit on, on Saturday nights and I, w- I was obsessed with Mannix. Oh, my gosh. And the first time I got to meet Mike Connors, he was such a gentleman and actually invited me to come down to the set and watch them film. Uh, it's the first time I was on the Paramount lot. Uh, so it was it was very exciting. And I've got to say, I was like, I was into the shows um, like That Girl, because that was kind of a unique story about just this girl who seemed to have like a fabulous apartment and an endless supply of clothes. And she really didn't earn any money living in New York. And I was fascinated how she could possibly pull that off. But she she had a boyfriend. She didn't have a husband. She didn't have kids. She didn't have pearls around her neck. So I was very intrigued with seeing women like that and, and like the Sally Rogers character on the Dick Van Dyke show. Independent women, you know, doing what they love to do and getting paid for it. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I think this is the point where Gifford, you should probably tell her how you, I'm sure you just made a connection with her there, right, Gif? Yeah, so. We have a running joke on this on this show, because every time we talk about TV, Gifford is kind of left out sometimes. <laughs> so growing yeah. up in rural Minnesota, southwest Minnesota, um, I only got two stations coming over the antenna. That was ABC and CBS. I We also got PBS, I guess. But <laughs> we, have, we have you on the name of your book, My Peacock Tale. And of course, it's about your time um, with NBC. So I hate to say that growing up as a young man until I got to college, 
couldn't watch NBC unless I went over to one of these guys' place and watched it on their tube. So a little didn't different. even know NBC existed. I, I have a confession to make for you, too. We didn't get NBC very well either. And to this day, I have never seen a Star Trek episode. Why is really? It always NBC? Whoa. Yeah, never what is with one. NBC? It's just strange. No, and, really? and even, even while I was working there in, in some of the glory years, just because I was working so hard and people didn't have videotape machines, I never saw Little House on the Prairie. I never saw Chips. And I, I mean, I know how to reference them and I know what they're mm-hmm. about, but I've never seen a whole episode all the way through. Yeah, By Little House way, on the Prairie was one of my staples. That was definitely one that we got. We're glad mm-hmm. you brought that up because that actually took place a short drive from where we all grew up. That's true. So Little House on the famously. Prairie. Walnut Grove, yep. Minnesota. Mm-hmm. There and you go. <laughs> Laura well, Ingalls took- Wilder, she mentions our hometown of Tyler in three of her books. Did you know that? <laughs> I did. That's anyway. why I wanted to do the show. Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> she just couldn't wait to get on. <laughs> so they actually uh, shot Little House out in Simi Valley, California. Uh, it's yeah, probably about yeah. a thirty-mile drive, and they actually still give like little tours of the area that were some of the sets were were a Little House. It's it's it, it's enduring to this day. Mm-hmm. All all of the rolling hills that you see in the mountains. Nope, none of that. <laughs> it's all flat prairie. Right. Yeah. There's yeah. all cornfields. No. Not a whole lot going on for topography. That's right. Mm. All right. So your book, as Gifford uh, alluded to, is called My Peacock Tale. And in the um, the previews that we read, it's described as a playful mix of sex in the city and Mad Men. And I thought that was a pretty interesting um, description. So we'd like to hear about the book, um, why you wrote it, what's in it and how it kind of fits into that description, because it's very intriguing. Well, I had started working on a one-man show for my husband, um, who's an actor, Randall Carver. Um, you guys might have know him from the first season of Taxi. He was the character John Burns on Taxi. Oh. Quick, get on the internet, look him up. Yeah, we'll mm-hmm. have to look. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he was going back to his high school reunion, and they asked him to do a presentation. So I was writing up a little something, and then the pandemic hit. The reunion was canceled. And I was kind of in a writing mood and we were all stuck at home. So we got on Zoom and mm-hmm. I started reaching out to some of the people that I had worked with at NBC 40 plus years ago. And we all started telling stories and laughing and just really living these this wonderful time of our lives. It was it was kind of like a, a fraternity or a sorority that you might be with where, you know, you always have each other's backs. You 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 were you were in the trenches together. And people kept saying, somebody should write a book. Somebody should write a book. And I thought only smart people wrote books. So I hadn't <laughs> doing it um, until we were stuck in our homes for so long. And, and it was really remarkable because, well, there's two people in particular who both knew Freddie Prince, two pages, um, Maggie and Linda. And Maggie had her wonderful, pristine story about you know, playing backgammon with Freddie and going out with her mom and Freddie to to a restaurant. And and then my friend Linda had kind of the darker side of Freddie. And uh, she was with him the night that he killed himself. So there was the two stories coming together. These two women had never talked about it before until I kind of brought them together. And it really, it brought up a lot for them, but it also helped them process that time in their lives. 
Um, I have a story about Donald Trump that I just, oh, I met Donald Trump. And then my friend Courtney said, oh, you don't know what happened after you left. Oh, Go on. He had, a whole, <laughs> he had a whole other story about what was going on there. So again, two pieces of the same event came together. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, it, it, does, it didn't look good for the Donald in the story. Let's just say oh, that. That's not surprising. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh man! Um, All right, and the book—the book, so, uh, book is relatively new, right? Like, what? It was just in the last couple of months it came out. Uh, it came out officially May first. May first, and it's available on Amazon and through Bear Manor Media. And uh, a week later, I got into a car accident and uh, <laughs> took a nap for a little while. Woke up and was kind of sore and bruised and stuff so i thought well that's a heck of a way to start a book launch so it (laughs) stalled for for two weeks and then we got going again with it and uh you know letting people know that it's out there it's to me it's it's a it's a fun read we alluded to the 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 madman aspect of it because it is set in the 70s and a lot of things that took place back then are things they could never get away with in a corporate environment now right and the, the sex part i think is pretty self-explanatory because uh, it was funny. I was, I was checking out a Trader Joe's today and I always carry my book with me. It was in my bag and the, and the guy asked about it. He goes, yeah, I bet there was a lot of cocaine there. And I went, no, this was before cocaine. <laughs> Predates cocaine. <laughs> it was kind of like more like end of quaaludes before cocaine. Okay. Uh, right. era. And uh, so it was a different time. And uh, I was very naive and I was thrown into this, you know, behind the looking glass situation. And I fancied myself to be a bit of a liberated woman. <laughs> and uh, I had some dalliances, some that went well, some that were disastrous, which are detailed in the book. Uh, but I've changed the names because I didn't want their wives or children to know about it. Sure. There are some some stories that you have stories here on Pop Culture Yearbook. We could break some news here. That would be fantastic for our ratings in the book. I'm I'm kidding. Some of your stories are real names, though, right? Well, I do mention McLean Stevenson um, in the book by name because um, I okay. Where where I grew up in Calabasas, they if you can remember the the opening credits of Mash against those mountains with the helicopters flying. That was about five miles from my house. So it made sense that, you know, McLean Stevenson would be in the neighborhood. But on this particular night, um, I was sitting at a Sambo's restaurant. I don't I don't think they have them anymore. It was a coffee shop, you know, kind of like a Denny's or, you know, just mm-hmm. a local place to get coffee 24 hour. And uh, a friend of mine and I were sitting there working on a script and in comes McLean Stevenson and he's escorted by two highway patrol officers because he'd been a bit overserved uh, and was driving home. Mm-hmm. So the police were kind enough back in the day to say, just sit at the counter, drink a bunch of coffee, sober up and then be on your merry way. So while my friends and I were all sitting around the table talking, I, I showed them my brand new mood ring. <laughs> ah. And um and McLean is like, what are you guys talking about? And I'm like, well, gee, Mr. Stevenson, you put this ring on and it tells you what your mood is. And um, 
he put it on and because he you know had several cups of coffee by this point it immediately went to the color that represented horny oh wow sure so he looked at me and he says i'm i'm obviously passionately in love with you will you go back to my apartment with me and i said i will not go back to your apartment with you unless we're married okay so by now it's like one or two in the morning at sambo's so um he says, will you marry me? And I said, of course I will. So I went into the ladies' room, and I made a bouquet out of toilet paper and a dress out of toilet paper and fixed up my hair. And my friend Julie was the waitress there. So she was my maid of honor. And I walked out covered in, you know, a big white toilet paper doily coming out. We had the head chef marry us because, you know, like a captain of the ship. I'm sure. Head chef of the Sambos can marry people. Yep. And, international uh, ground. Yep. Got a, got a styrofoam works. cup and stepped on it at the end, like in a Jewish ceremony, and it was all said and done. He gave me a really icky kiss. <laughs> it was horrible. So we're laughing and laughing and laughing, but he's still like, you know, hey, baby, come back to my apartment. Of course, with me. of course. And, you know, now it's getting later and later. And then he came in with what I think he must have thought was his surefire line. And he goes, you know. I'm hosting the Tonight Show tomorrow night. Would you like to come down and see the show? And all the people in Sambo's were like, yeah, we want to see the show. <laughs> <laughs> so there was about five of us all went down in a car, saw the Tonight Show. McLean just kind of went, uh, hi, you know, when he saw us there. Right. And then it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be for like six months later until I would get my page job. And um, I carried that little mood ring around in my, in my blazer. And I would see him in the hallways because he was doing a sitcom at the time, the McLean Stevenson show. And one day I caught his eye, you know, holding the ring up, you know, fixing my hair or whatever. And he just was like, you know, oh, oh, she's there. Oh, OK. But I decided I'd made a acquaintance with McLean. That was a showbiz contact. So I would sit in the bleachers and, and watch them tape and try to learn everything that I could. And then one day he invited me up to his office. I should say they came and got me. They said, uh, McLean needs to see you. So as a page, you know, I, maybe he needed me to take an envelope someplace, you know, get tickets for a friend. I didn't know what it was. And I went up sure. there and I, I jokingly had said to him, don't worry about anything. I got a divorce at Taco Bell. We're fine. Don't worry. You know. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm trying to, like, sell myself as a comedy writer here to this guy. And sure yeah. enough, he just he was one of those guys that had like the little button under the desk oh, and boy. the door closed. Oh, boy. Well, a sophisticated woman might have reacted a bit differently than I did. I laughed my ass off. <laughs> and, he, and he's like, what's so funny? What's so funny? And I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I mean, you're such a masher and you're on mash. And I feel like I'm. I'm like Doris Day and you were on the Doris Day show. And I just was laughing, laughing, laughing. And um, he didn't take that as a sign of affection. And he got a little bit physical. And um, I managed to get away and ran down to the page lounge. And my supervisor comforted me. And he's, he says, oh, gosh, don't worry about McLean. He does that to all the girls. Oh, oh that's, well, that's OK. Then. Uh, boys will be boys. Yeah. Well, and then yeah, I started yeah. getting pissed off at all the other girls thinking I wasn't special. I mean, this is like <laughs> the kind of mind games that these kind of things play on young girls. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So you get wow. into 
being a page at NBC, what age are you at this point? And is it just like any other job that you go to interview for? You just, there's an opening and you, you know, throw an application on the pile? Well, I wish it were that easy. Um, at the time I got the job, I was 20 years old and I was still in college. Now um, you have to go online to apply. You have to have at least a Bachelor of Arts or Bachelor of Science degree. They say they get about 16,000 applications a year. Mm-hmm. About 2% of those people get to the next level of being interviewed. And this is after making a video, sending in your resume and your CV. Uh, but the nice thing is, is if you're in one of the states, you know, in the Midwest someplace, and you think like, how can I ever get to New York or LA for an interview? If NBC is interested in you, they'll fly you all expense paid to New York or mm-hmm. LA for the interview. Now, with all that said, it's estimated that it's easier to get into Harvard than to become an NBC page. And that's is that that's now. But how about when you when I when I did it, it was still tough to get in. But I knew somebody in a weird way, um, a bunch of us girls who worked at Sears in the junior bazaar department. we all piled in a car and we went to Vegas for the weekend to go see Elvis. Nice. Mm. Uh, one Very of the girls, nice. one of the girls' dads, scored some tickets, and he he was a TV repairman for Elvis. And I just kept thinking how many TVs he must have repaired from Elvis shooting out the TVs. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Talk about, yeah. yeah. about job security. So <laughs> we went there and we you know teased up our hair and wore our hot pants and tried to look real old. And we got it. We got we got ringside seats to see Elvis. Wow. In Vegas. And it was just when he was getting a little heavy, but he was sweating a lot. And he would wear a, a scarf around his neck, pat his forehead a little bit. And then the women at the edge of the stage would come and get the scarf from him. And I had I had never really been an Elvis fan. I was always like the Beatles because I thought, you know, maybe one of the Beatles would marry me or something. But then when I saw Elvis in person, and the Austin Butler movie is spot on with how it was at the Hilton. The energy, the voice, the the excitement in the room. It was it was an experience. I've I've never had anything like that before watching a concert. Mm-hmm. And I was just blown away by him. So at the end of the concert, three of the girls went off to go have a lot of fun in Vegas. And I I detailed <laughs> what happened to one of them which is a freaking hysterical story in the book. But I was stuck with the girl who got us the tickets because the other girls had dumped her. And we were sitting in the coffee shop having cherry pie and ice cream. And we were talking about our hopes and dreams. And I had mentioned to her that in high school, I got to go to a taping of the Midnight Special. And I saw these people wearing these ugly uniforms, standing around, listening to rock and roll music for free. And they were getting paid to be there. And I thought, well, I could do that. Right. And my friend said to me, well, you know, my mom's best friend works at NBC. Let me see if she can make a phone call. And two oh. weeks later, I had the job. Nice. Really? It's all, about, it's all about making connections. Yeah. Right. It's really just like, that's just like any other job too. It's, it's like, really, mm-hmm. that's the, that's the best way is to have some kind of an in. Yep. Well, and just be kind to people because you never know yeah. where make that a good impression. will come from. Yep. yep. Absolutely. So the cover of your book has Johnny Carson on it. Um, 
we don't have a lot of Hollywood types on this show, but if we do, they tend to have a tie-in with Johnny Carson. We had Fritz <laughs> Coleman on as well. Um, do you have any, you know, highlights from from uh, being around Johnny or any of the great guests that he had on over the years? Johnny, who? No. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. No, I listen. I could have written one book alone about oh, my right. experiences with Johnny. Um, I the, the, I had mentioned I'd gone to Midnight Special. The way I got into that in high school is because Johnny's son Corey. I, I, we're gonna have to do a, a, a chart on this one. Johnny's son Corey was living at the home of Shelley Cohen, and Shelley was one of the musical directors at the Tonight Show. There was Doc Severinsen. And then if Doc was ill, then Tommy Newsom took over. And if Tommy couldn't do it, then Shelley Cohen did it. Okay. So when The Tonight Show moved out to L.A. in 1972, Corey Carson came with the Cohen family because Ed McMahon, Johnny, and Shelley are the only three people that were with The Tonight Show since it started October 1st, 1962. Oh. So knowing Corey kind of helped get me in a little bit at The Tonight Show. Now, as far as Johnny goes, it was always an amazing coincidence that if we were giving a tour of the building in Burbank, that we just happened to be there when Johnny was arriving to -hmm. tape the show. (laughs) It was usually between 1.50 and 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And Johnny would, you know, get out of his car. Sometimes it was his Corvette. Eventually he had the the Back to the Future car, the DeLorean that he drove. Mm -hmm. And, uh, And he would usually say something to the the tour people, you know, they would be, you know, <gasps> seeing Johnny Carson. And he would usually say stuff like, you know, the tour is a ripoff. Get your money back. You know, <laughs> Give everybody a moment that way. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, you know, he was uh, he was wonderful that way. And and a lot of people think that, you know, he only worked a half day, but he would read two or three newspapers every morning. He would call down to NBC because he was living in Malibu at the time. And he would say, I think these subjects are good for jokes. Come up with jokes about air traffic controllers, you know, Ronald mm-hmm. Reagan's, you know, Nancy's a psychic, you know, whatever it's whatever it's going to be. And by the time he'd get to work, they would have like about 50 jokes. He would go upstairs to his office and he would go through the jokes and put them in a certain order that he would like to do. And at the time, Johnny had a window that overlooked 3,000 West Alameda Street. And that was a big source of contention because Red Fox wanted to get a window in his dressing room so that he was on the same level as Johnny as far as star status. Well, eventually that big picture window became uh, a security risk for Johnny and they had to move him to an office down in the basement area so that people couldn't do something terrible and try to throw something through the window or shoot Mm -hmm. something. Mm. So, in my book, I actually have pictures of what was Johnny's office, and there's a little pictures of his dressing room. And the night that he did the last Tonight Show, uh, when he bid everybody a good night, uh, rather than going out the main entrance that he would have come in to when he started, um, the security people took him down to his basement office, and they went out through a special hidden tunnel into the administration building, out to a helipad, and took a helicopter to his home in Malibu and had an invitation-only group of people to celebrate the end of The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. 
excuse me, the end of the Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, Les Brown and the Band of Renown played. And uh, it was the last time a lot of people who had worked for Johnny for decades saw him. Yep. Mm -hmm. Cause he really shut her down after he was kind of reclusive. I was just yeah. going to say he very much kind of went into his shell after that. If I recall correctly. Well, he, he, he got to do what he wanted to do. I mean, yeah, that's, yeah. that's the part of it. I like, um, he got to travel for long periods of time. Usually okay. he, the most that we would know of Johnny traveling when he'd go to Wimbledon and he would take okay. time off for that because that was a big passion of his. Uh, but no, he was taking long trips to, to Africa and he had a, uh, a yacht that he would like to travel on. So, mm -hmm. you know, for a man who was America's nightlight for so long, who, right. you know, I keep a lot of, you know, a lot of people don't even remember Johnny Carson. And this is a man who did a 90 minute show when it first started five nights a week. And he got us through the Kennedy assassinations and Martin Luther King and Vietnam and just all of these life altering cataclysmic events that were going on. And at the end of the night, Johnny still told some jokes and got us through it and made everybody feel like everything was going to be OK. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, he was yeah. everybody's security blanket, kind of, you know, the, like the peace at the end of your day. Yeah. Right after hearing all the bad news on the 10 o'clock news for us, it's 10 o'clock. But um, right. uh, but yeah, it would it would it was comfort TV. Uh, like I referred to some other uh, similar uh, similar stars. Letterman is one that I think of as being in that same vein. But uh, uh, yeah, he would comfort you before you'd go to bed at night. Well, you know, Johnny uh, used to fax jokes to Letterman. Right. Long after yeah, Johnny was off the air. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think Johnny would have preferred Letterman to get the job that Leno got. Am I correct about that? I I, I only know what I read, but I sure. think part of the disappointment of everything was by, by the time the, the whole Leno Letterman thing was going on, Johnny owned The Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson. Mm -hmm. And David had kind of been put kind of in the batter's box and he was next up. And that was promised to Johnny also because Johnny would have owned Dave's show also. Oh, so emotionally, mm. it's it's one thing to not have Dave get the job. You feel very betrayed by a company you've given your life to. But financially yeah. also, Johnny would have stood to benefit quite a bit had it gone to Dave. Mm -hmm. And, you oh. know, not to say anything disparaging about Jay, but, you know, Jay went out and worked the affiliates and, and met people and, and shook hands and kissed babies. And he was a, a wonderful late night personality. Again, wasn't going to stir the pot too much, make everybody feel good. And then the whole thing with Conan started yep. and then they went oh, back yeah. to Jay. So, I mean, just when you think like you, you've been victorious and that you're being respected, they pull that kind of stuff on you. you right. Know? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, no, no job is secure that way. You just have to have fun as long as you can stay on the ride. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Good point. Pete, you Absolutely. Ready to Do questions? we want to start talking about the, uh, the dating game? Um, sure. <laughs> I, I am curious because all of us, uh, myself especially, um, we're all big game show fans. So, and you were on the dating game as a contestant, and 
The dating game went both ways in the sense that it had one man choosing out of three women, or you could be one woman choosing from the three men, and you were you you were the woman choosing of the three men, correct? That's yeah. I actually did the show twice. Oh, you did. Okay. I did it uh, the daytime version in 1972, and uh, we won a trip to San Diego, which is about a two-hour drive from my house, and. they kept going, and we've got the dating game couple here. Let's go on that roller coaster one more time. <laughs> and uh, I wasn't up for dinner that night. Let's just say that. I was I was pretty pretty green. And then they took us out on a boat uh, to commemorate Cabrillo landing. And I got motion sick on that. But, oh, but it, I mean, otherwise it was lovely. <laughs> Other than being <laughs> sick to your stomach, you were good. Yeah. <laughs> and then the second trip... Um, I, I I won my bachelor and he came around the corner and they said, and you've won a trip to the Bahamas. And I hugged the guy and I said, where are the Bahamas? <laughs> <laughs> really? Oh, yeah, man. Th- this is this is what uh, being 18 and educated at Agora High School do for you. <laughs> uh, so we had a, we had a nice trip. And by we, I mean, he took off and the chaperone and I <laughs> hung out together. The only problem is she snored very loudly. When, when a girl was under 21 years of age, there had to be a female chaperone for insurance purposes. So um, I tried to sleep on the balcony one night and it was lightning and thunder. So I wound up like getting all my blankets and pillows and everything. And I slept in the closet with the door closed. And and that's how <laughs> I was able to. But I learned to scuba dive while I was there and um, and resisted the temptation for good Jamaica hash while I was there. Uh, but had a great time. That's awesome. So it was a great time, but it wasn't maybe as romantic as everybody want all the all the fans want to believe when you have a you chaperone with you, right? As 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 you had hoped. Right. No, it, it wasn't romantic. But the thing is, once I did the show, a lot of my friends from Agora High did the show. And in some instances, um, my friend George O'Hanlon did the show and his date wasn't available to go on the date. So he got to take his own girlfriend on the date. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Nice. So that How does out that work cool. out if you go on the show? Like, is it just, you know, <laughs> as a couple, like, you know, it's a very personal situation. But yeah, if you've got a girlfriend or a boyfriend and you get picked, like, holy cow, there's got to be some blowback on that situation, isn't there? Well, there is and there isn't because if, in, in in George's case, um, he was also a member of the Screen Actors Guild. So by going on Dating Game, he got a little bit of money for being on the show, too. Sure. Okay. okay. So that, that's why you'll see so many actors. I mean, you could look on, I'm, I'm sure there's YouTube sites with, with you know, here's all you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Andy Kaufman, John Ritter, yeah. Yeah. Fawcett, yeah. Reynolds. I mean, a lot of people would go on. I mean, Adam West was on was he really? the Dating Game. Yes. Holy cow. Did you ever know of anybody who actually did form like a connection, even if for a short time through the game? Oh, there's several couples that, that really? actually got married. And there's couples on the newlywed game uh, that that uh, are still married. Um, I did uh, a documentary for ABC that was on in May called The Game Show Show. And they actually nice. found a couple that have been married 50 years that oh were uh, on the Oh, wow. Game. Yes. So it can That's happen. Cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I always kind of wondered about that game if there was like an annulment judge waiting 
you know, alongside because some of those couples didn't do so hot on yeah, the, the newlywed game. How many, how many divorces happened yeah. as a result of that show? Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> I, give, I give a lot of praise to Chuck Barris because even though he didn't create the newlywed game, he created what made the newlywed game popular. And uh-huh. he's the one that said, well, let's twist the questions a little bit. Not Let's not, you know, what's their favorite meal you're, you cook for your husband, mm-hmm. you know? Let's talk about making whoopee. That, that, yeah. that was a big thing on that show. I That's use that all the time on here. Yeah. <laughs> but, but also like with Match Game, when it first started out uh, back in New York in the old black and white days, it was also one of those questions like, you know, how many uh, times a day does your husband sneeze? You know, it was like stupid questions. Oh, boy. But then they got comedy writers to start writing the fill sure. in the blank questions. And and one of the writers was even from Mad Magazine, so you see where it took like a quick, you know, quirky little turn there. Yeah, and that's yeah, what yeah. made it so successful. That and of course, what a lot of people don't understand. Some people just think game shows are just a bunch of people show up and you do, and 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 the host makes up all those questions. You know, it, no, it's it, shows are ca- carefully cast. I mean, if you if you think of something like Match Game, the first seat was usually a, somebody that guest starred on his own show or. Uh, a comic or something, but nobody that was like a regular guy on a show, but uh, somebody that was familiar to home audiences. Then you had yep. Brett, because you knew you'd get a good joke and good laugh out of her. Charles would be a little Charles bit irreverent. Really. Then yeah, on the yeah. bottom row would be what they called the bimbo seat, which was oh, yeah. the ditzy woman who, you know, you knew she wouldn't come through with an answer, but Jean could have fun with her. Sure. Richard was always like, come on, Richard, come through for us. He could do it. And then the and last of course, seat. he'd get to sit by the bimbo. That's perfect. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Every time. Of course. Yep. yep. And then the last seat was usually like Betty White or Betty Fanny White, Black yes. or somebody that could, you know, bring it on home. And, and if it was a tie, break the tie and get the right answer. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Right. And then the contestants would have to have nice dimples. Oh, <laughs> yes, they would. Fa- famous famous line there. Can you imagine him getting away with all that lecherous stuff now? Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh. Well, and that's what's great about yeah. watching him back now. It's like, oh, my God. It's, you know, you kind of watch through your fingers in that, like, <laughs> oh, my God, I can't believe they just said that. Holy crap. You well, kind of. Oh, go ahead. I had a, a friend of mine who has since passed away, Fred Wasbrock, was Gene's agent. And... um I was having a dinner party one night at my house and Fred asked if he could bring a date. I went, Oh, okay. Fred's Fred's got a girl. Okay. Yeah. Bring her along. And I opened my door and it's match games own Gene Rayburn. Mm -hmm. And he proceeded to tell us so many X rated stories. It was (laughs) a phenomenal evening. Exactly what I would expect out of of that show. Um, um, you, you was he walking around with that three foot mic while he was doing it though? <laughs> or was he just glad to see me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love um, that. You did kind of transition. You you segued into a couple of, of my next questions. So you actually were a writer on at least a couple of shows. I've got Supermarket Sweep and Hollywood Squares. Um, were there I any did, more? I didn't do Hollywood Squares. I was a page. Oh. they did Hollywood Squares. Oh, okay. Uh, but but on uh, Love Connection. Okay. Um, Liars Club. I don't know if, if you guys were around for Liars Club or not. That was that's a show I would it. like. I would like to see that show come back because it was a show that. Um, here, wait a minute. I'll do something. I'll play Liars Club with you for just a moment. Oh, let's Sweet. do that. Yes. Let's play a game. We love games. This is awesome. 
Okay. <laughs> Here we go. Okay, so the, the premise of Liars Club is there would be an object and it was four celebrities and the show was hosted by Alan Ludden and oh, that's, four that celebrities Betty White's tell, husband, right? Betty that, White's husband. Yes. And I can go into more of that later too. Um, <laughs> and four celebrities would tell a story about an object and it was up to the contestants to try to figure out what the correct story was. So here's the little conceit that we gave to it. Every time we told a celebrity what the object was, we said, it really is, you've got the right object. So really sell the story. And you know we would have ridiculous things, but people would put their heart into it and make the contestants believe that's what it was. So with that said, and I know you guys probably know what this is, I probably don't have to tell you that this being big fans of Disney, probably maybe as a kid, did your parents ever take you to Disneyland? Yes. Okay. Did you, did you, did you get to do the submarine ride when you were a kid? Oh yeah. I did do uh, that with you, Pete. There's yeah. Uh, yeah, we went, uh, there's a 20,000 leagues ride. Um, so, yeah. But then they then they actually had multiple sub. They had a twenty thousand leagues under the sea ride, and then there was also it was like a yellow submarine kind of thing that they had. I think it was the same one that they had revamped. Or, or well, something, on the west coast, like. they just on the west coast of the original Disneyland, they just had a gray submarine, and we would. Oh, maybe that's what I'm thinking. Okay. Okay, so that's what this could be, or could it be? Back in the olden days of TV, when people didn't have 70-foot TV inch screens, mm -hmm. that they had to use something to magnify the image in black and white. So this is oh. something that you'd place, there's a little stand on it, yep. and you'd place it in front of the TV, and it would magnify the TV so that everybody could gather around and watch the Honeymooners or Love That Bob or whatever they were watching. Mr. Heckles had oh. one of those in his apartment when the friends cleaned it out. Oh, then you might know what this is, don't you? Unless I'm making that up because I saw that episode. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's your choice. It's it's either that I got this at an auction that Disney was having to get rid of their submarine glass, or it's a Mr. Heckles prop. TV from... magnifying. Yeah. Okay. Brad, what do you think? Uh, so I just want to say for the people listening, it, it looks kind of like the screen of an older tube TV, and but it has filled with water that's sloshing yep. around. So just yep. to picture it, I'm going to go. It, with... it, actually, it's not water in there. It's actually mineral oil. Okay. Oh, I'm going to go okay. with the first one. The You're going with, with the Disney submarine from the 1950s from Disneyland. Yeah, that's what I'm going with. I oh, can never. Yep. I, I agree with Brad. I, I don't remember the magnifying screen. Not being just a concave, like, piece of glass. I okay. always, I always have to be the odd man out. So I'm going to go with the, uh, uh, with the screen thing. Okay. Now this is the part where <clears throat> Alan Ludden would do the reveal, and he would say, "This was used to magnify old black and white TV screens." <laughs> really, oh, Gifford, you threw yeah. me off. Now, remember on Friends. Mr. Heckle's house when Joey would stand in front. Monica his, was standing in front of it. Yeah, when she stood in front and then Joey's junk looked big. 
Oh, yes. that's what it Okay, now I can remember that. I didn't realize because I know my grandma had one of those, and I I don't remember it having liquid in it. I thought it was just a piece of glass that, you know, magnified. Oh, congratulations, Pete. You went a fabulous trip to the Bahamas. Yes. Thank you. Yes. I can't wait. I, and I, I know where the Bahamas are, I can tell you. Yes, and fabulous cash and prizes. Now, Gifford, I'm just wondering if your grandma, if uh, it's still in your family, and if you could use it to see if it makes your junk look big. I don't think there's many things out there that can do that. Beat. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right. So what um, uh, you talked a little bit about it in the sense that a lot of people think it's a game show is just kind of thrown together, but uh, it's really carefully crafted. Talk about a day in the life of a game show writer, like what that would be, what that would look like. I always think about it. Because my favorite game show is Jeopardy, and I, I think about that a lot, like how, you know, how much that must go into the research and the questions and how the questions are organized. And, and the wording. and The wording and has to be just right because, you know, and it does happen occasionally, but to make sure that it's the only, there's only one right answer um, on, on a lot of them, just that kind of thing always amazes me. Well, you, you pick the crown jewel of all television shows and and jeopardy is is the show that everybody should honor what they've done to keep the integrity of that show going uh, all these years mm -hmm. um you were you were mentioning the the writing of the answers yes, the yes. questions it's the right answers. right and and that came about because um merv griffin's wife at the time um he was trying to come up with game shows it was right after the quiz show scandal and game shows were not very plentiful at that point and it was Merv's wife who said well why don't you flip it and give people the answer and have them come up with a question now if you look at the board on Jeopardy as well not only do you have to write an answer that is what we call is pinned when it's there only one possible question that could be asked to make that answer valid mm -hmm. you only have a certain amount of characters on the screen that you can write yeah, too yeah. so you can't put the whole magna it's, it's carta like, up there to try to get the answer so it like really Twitter. has to be concise yeah um and they've got an excellent team of writers they've got it they've got a team of researchers i've met these guys and and some of the women harvard graduates that do this and it's a tough gig to get a job at jeopardy because nobody leaves that job mm -hmm. it's it is so Good. coveted mm -hmm. uh and it is it's like a fine tooth comb they go through that and and it's um it's one of the times i i i had at the time before the internet and all that i'd actually auditioned for a job for jeopardy and you, we'd go in person we had to take two tests as the writers to see if we even had the ability to understand the questions yet alone answer them mm -hmm. and i got to that second level and then they said okay we need you to write 50 questions as a sample and these are the categories and i was like i'm too young for this i don't understand what i'm doing yet danger will robinson i couldn't do mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. um and as a writer too you're also given a, a certain quotas of how many questions a day you're supposed to write for a show so you can't ponder too long on how to do these things mm -hmm. and if you sure. guys are like totally into game shows which i'm sensing you are oh yeah yeah start saving your pennies gas up the car Stop the paper from coming to the house because in 2025, 
there is going to be an addition to the strong National Museum of Play in Rochester, New York, that is going to be devoted exclusively to television game shows. Oh man, I'm there. Really? <laughs> now you should go there anyway right now because the place is is awesome. It's got every toy you ever had as a kid or toy your parents would never buy you. And they have new inductees actually, every year, correct? Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they just I've been there. Up. We were we were actually there a couple of years ago. Uh, we took a trip. We drove out to Niagara Falls, and that was one of the stops that we did. And and yeah, my kids loved it. I loved it. It was just a, a lot of fun. So now I have a reason to go back in a couple of years. Well, they have also opened up an area that's for arcade games and um, yep. early video games. So that's yeah. the new. That's what they just opened. And then what's really sweet is, and I and I love this. When, when Betty White passed away, um, I reached out to a woman that I knew was her assistant, and I said, listen, I know you're going to be auctioning off her stuff, but when you come to the game show stuff and you're going to think, oh, we should throw this away, nobody's going to care, I said, mm -hmm. we care. Yeah. And we got papers from Alan Ludden, her husband, host of Liars Club. We got her papers. We got pictures. We've got some scripts. And then her assistant said, would you like one of her Emmys? Oh, come on. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so right now, from what I understand, in like kind of the foyer of the museum, they've got Betty's Emmy under glass with a little light on it and saying, coming soon, the National Archive of Television Game Show History. Wow. And that's what's being used to, to let people know it's on its way. That's amazing. That's and if any of your any of your uh, listeners have old game show stuff they wish to donate, um, you can contact the museum, and the museum will pack it up and pay for it to get shipped to them. Uh, we're finding all kinds of things. I, I mean, it's amazing because there's so many wives who are grateful that they've got their garages back because their husbands have donated a lot of stuff. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. <laughs> so what else? Uh, just general uh, comment about like anything else that goes on like behind the scenes that we as the average viewers might not be aware of that we might find interesting. Well, most game shows tape five shows in one day. Mm -hmm. And if you're uh, a returning champion on a show, you need to bring five different changes of clothes with you so that mm -hmm. it looks like you've been there through the whole week. Right. Usually people just change clothes from the waist up because you don't usually see them. They're usually behind some kind of a podium or something like that. Mm. Um, so that's one little secret. Um, that's another little secret. Oh, I'll t I'll, this was a backstage thing that happened. Um, while I was giving a tour at NBC Burbank, um, one of the pages ran up to me and she said, quick, Chuck Barris needs you. I'm taking over your tour. I was like, okay, I'll go. And because I knew Chuck and the boys from having done the dating game, I said, what's wrong? What's up? And he says, stand right here. And when this curtain opens, walk through the curtain. You'll know what to do when the, and then sure enough, the music starts <laughs> up and I'm like, what, huh? what's going on? And uh, Chuck, it's, and I was standing with a lot of other women from NBC. And he comes out and he says, uh, these are the women from NBC. They do a fine job here. Uh, girls, introduce yourselves. So the other girls all start shaking hands with each other. Like, we know each other, but we're shaking hands like we're introducing ourselves to each other, to each other. not <laughs> announcing our names to the audience. 
And, you know, and, and, and Chuck just kind of gave me like a little impish smile for, for, for pulling that on me. But uh, that was that was lovely. I mean, and that was that was a fun show to hang around. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I always yeah. kind of wondered, like with like shows like The Dating Game, um, where do they where do the talent people to go to get those contestants that you get in all the time? You said like you had a bunch of your friends from your high school who then went on after you had, had been on. Like, I always wondered, other than, like, you said you've got actors who will come on and do stuff, but, like, do you just go to the mall and look for people? Do people, like, come come to there, you and some, say we there, want to be on? There were several people I know who were recruiters. Okay. And this was also, like, when I did Love Connection also. And they, I mean, to this day, there's a woman, Beverly Pomerantz. Bev is hysterical. She will if there's people at a supermarket and she'll go, you guys look like a cute couple. I'm doing a couple's game show. Uh, here's my card. Give me a call. And she's constantly doing, doing hustling, hustling. But like for the um, love connection show, they'd, they'd go to bars and they'd, okay. they'd pick up people. They would, uh, they would go to malls. They would go to places where the demographic of who they were looking for would hang. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And there, there later became a rule that you could only do three game shows in ten years, so you had to kind of pick sure. and choose who you're going to use, and you know, save your smart people for the smart shows and your pretty people for the pretty <laughs> shows. Uh, Brad, Those did you not actually little... try out for a game show once? Yeah, so they did. There was a show. Do you know the show Hollywood Showdown from about twenty you years mean, ago? Hosted by Todd Newton, produced by my friend Kathy Dawson. I've heard of it. Yeah. Oh, great. She's familiar. <laughs> well, I was really into that show. It was on at ten thirty at night for a short time. But they came. We have the Mall of America here. You probably heard of that. Uh-huh. They came to the Mall of America and they were doing like just open, like anybody could show up and try out. And I actually went and did it. And I, and I got up on the little stage and I got to like play a little fake game. Um, I didn't make it, but that is Aww. my, that is my effort and my claim to fame when it comes to game shows. <laughs> you know, I, I was I, really I proud of myself for trying. I, I won't mention the city or state or name of the show, but some producers I worked with got this idea of going outside the Los Angeles area and to do a show and have people just show up and we'll do the show. And it was a question and answer format. And eventually the questions, you know, get a little tougher along the way. And do you want to, do you want to stay with the money you have or go on? And, and um, we got a bunch of boneheads who showed up. Uh, I mean, so the, the job of a talent coordinator is really important to try to recruit, to cast uh, the right people for the right show. So what you're saying is stay out of Wisconsin. I know you didn't mention the state, <laughs> but what you're saying, I mean, we're reading between the lines here. Well yeah. done. Well nailed it, kid. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, <sighs> do you have any other stories or things you want to share before we wrap it up tonight, Shelley? Well, let's see. Um, I, I'll tell this story because... Um, a lot of people are asking me on, on, I'm sorry, boys, I've done other podcasts. Yes. Uh, uh, and they're, and they're asking me what? like, like how to get in showbiz, what's your advice, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, I say that if you really, really want a job, try to make it so people want to meet you rather than have to meet you for the interview. Mm-hmm. And case in point, um, 
I think the chapter of the book is called my Lucy Ricardo thinking cap because I wanted to meet Dick Ebersole. And at the time he and Lauren Michaels were the two young Turks and they got Saturday Night Live on the air and Dick was an executive with NBC. And I went up to his office many times in Burbank and I said, I, you know, can I have a meeting? And they kept, no, no, the secretary wouldn't give me a meeting. And, you know, she was only doing her job. You know, it's just a little puny page trying to, you know, get an interview. And one night I was driving home and it was pouring rain and I'm listening to talk radio and the host says, and our next guest is Dick Ebersole. So I'm like, and I get off the freeway <laughs> and I, and I like got a fistful of quarters and I started shoving them into a payphone. And I told the call screener that, you know, I wanted to ask like some stupid question about Gilda Radner or something like that. And they put me on the air and I said, hi, my name is Shelly Herman and I'm a page at NBC Burbank and your secretary won't set an appointment for me to meet you. So could you promise me right now on the air, right here and now that you will see me? And he said, yes. <laughs> there you go. That's so, well done. Um, as Lou Grant would say to Mary Richards, I had spunk. There you go. <laughs> and um, I got my meeting with him, uh, became, a, I don't want to say friends with him, but um, at the time he was married to the woman before Vanna White, who used to be the letter turner on Wheel of Fortune, Susan Stafford, yeah, and yeah, and yeah. went to their home for dinner, and and it turned into a lovely, nice showbiz connection that way. So um, make yourself stand out in a way that you're not um, annoying or um, somebody who's <laughs> worthy of a restraining order. That rolls Gifford out. Yeah, uh, I was gonna say that's my that's my milieu <laughs> right there. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, so I, I, and, and then the other thing is, <laughs> again, the guy that I was at Trader Joe's with earlier today that saw the book, and I, I said to him, I said, you know, this, this was a dream of mine to write a book. And he goes, huh, I wish I could even dream. Oh, no. Oh, no. We have a, uh, a, a little technical difficulty here. Oh, 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 she's back. oh, I think we got her back. We, we you back. cut out there for a Sorry, second. Sorry, you froze yes. up during the you word dream just for a second oh. there. Yes. The... And then George Clooney finished. Oh, that's <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Did you get all that, boys? It was a yeah. great story, yes. Yep. Uh -huh. Yada, yada, yada. <laughs> uh -huh. I mentioned the bisque. <laughs> All right, so it's uh, the book is called My Peacock Tale. Um, you should all go buy it. You can get it anywhere, right? I can get it at Amazon, or I can come to your house and read it to you. I'm, okay. I'm well, I might oh, take you up on that. You could come visit Minnesota. Yeah. yeah. You and also, to I have to say, as, as much as it's about showbiz, there's some little racy stories in there, too, so you don't yeah, want to give it to your daughters in. to, to yeah. read right away. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Um, right. Did you have it? Have you? So you haven't written any other books then, right? This was your first book. No, but um, I've actually got a second book. Oh, that's that, okay. Um, is is in the works. All right. Uh, because I had so much fun writing this one. I mean, writing it's fun. It's the other parts <laughs> that that are tedious. Yeah. Um, but is that I book going to be similar topic, or are you going a different direction, or? It'll be a, it'll be a showbiz book. It won't involve the the pages who to this day are my dear friends. There's about 12 of us that still hang with each other. We, we go to, uh, you know, movies together. We watch award shows together. We celebrate our birthdays together. Um, it's, it's quite a close group of people. And I would just encourage anyone, if they, if they want to try to be a page, it'll be 
one of the best experiences of your life. In that fact, awesome. she's going to include a whole chapter in the book about this time that she was on a podcast with three really awesome guys. <laughs> no, no, before you sign off, and I know you will. Um, <laughs> we talked before the, the tape was rolling here about a, a, we we have a, a Mark Summers doppelganger here. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's a we stretch, will, but we'll have to put the side by side picture on our Twitter account. Brad. Okay, you're in charge of that one, Pete. Okay. I think you should. I think you should have a vote, and and also Mark Summers from the right era, mm -hmm. that um, you know. We'll have to get the old picture. Maybe I'll t I'll have to. It'll have to be a picture without my glasses, probably. Yes. Maybe and, that and, looks a little more like. And maybe with know. some slime on you, maybe. Yeah, I could so do that. Mark Summers yeah, it wouldn't be the first there. time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I th I think that uh, you know if he ever needed a double, you know, for Secret Service protection or something, you you could fill that position. There you go. There, yeah, I look uh -huh. forward to it. All right. Well, this this book sounds great. I'm going to be checking out your second book when it comes out too. Um, this was a one. I think we all had a great time. Thank yes. you so much for coming. Absolutely. On. This was really fun, and we really appreciate your time. I wish I wish it was just us. Sounds like you've been hitting other podcasts, and I feel a little bit, you know, like we had a Cheating. thing here. Yeah. But I guess <laughs> I guess we have to share. We you can't we can't blame her her for having her history. I know. Um, but now she's committed. This right. is the first time I've done a three-way, so does that matter? <laughs> nice. All right. Well, <laughs> take that. We'll take. Well, <laughs> which, we, we which one of us are you kicking out of that three-way? Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, I was going to say this is like the dating game, right? You got to pick one of that one of us. No, well, I think she already picked you, Mark Summers. So. Yes, that's right. So yeah, that's we right. already got our winner on that yes. one, Pete. <laughs> All right, we're going to the Bahamas. Let's go. All right. Well, I have Shelley, to have book, an uh, it sounds great. Your stories are great. You have a great personality. It's wonderful yeah. talking to you. Thank you so much for uh, coming on with us. And we'll I'd love to have, have you back again some other time. Yeah. Anytime, fellas. Yes. Awesome. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. All right, guys. That was a pretty awesome little interview we just did there, right? What'd you think yeah. of Shelly Herman? That was one of the best guests we've had, probably the best guest that we've ever had. All due respect to Johnny Mulkern. Well, geez, uh, I mean, we've had oh, some good ones. And to Fritz did and Weezy and Brian Colburn and, I mean, so on. I mean, yeah, but yeah but I'm not, I, I don't want to put anybody down, so wife, don't, don't do your, that to me. Your point but, uh, is she was fantastic. She was fantastic. She yeah. was Great stories, amazing. great background, um, and stuff right up our alley. I just love how it, right. how it tied together with our very first ever episode. And if you haven't mm -hmm. listened to our very first episode, it's just me and Pete. You don't have to listen to Gifford. Yeah. It could be good or bad for you. <laughs> it's a selling point. Yes. It's well, it could be. It just got point. a billion go either way. Episode. Right. Three so hours. One of our topics yeah. was game shows, and um, Pete Pete picked four game shows, and we watched them and talked about them. And it was fantastic. I did want to ask her, but I didn't want to offend her. Pete, do you remember the Wheel of Fortune episode we watched? It wasn't yes. Vanna, and that woman was just awful at turning letters. I thought, yeah, I thought, and I wondered if that was the same one or if there was like another one in between or, or not. Uh, I, I think it. I think that I'm was. I'm guessing it. it is. I mean, she's I, a nice lady. She just there was one, just something off about that performance that day. It was, um, yeah, it was just, just one that clip day. that I had found, and so it was probably what probably the first ever episode of Wheel of Fortune. For all I know, it might it might have been. Well, so, no, because no. she said that the Wheel of Fortune was originally called something showcase. Uh, I, th I thought that was the working um, title oh, for maybe. it, but it never actually launched as that title that's okay. what that's what i gathered 
Um, but but you know, and plus, it was just the '70s style and everything, right. and so you're laughing at the at the whole scene altogether. So, well, what I really so want to know is down. is I would like to talk to Shelley on August uh, tomorrow, basically, and find out what kind of bump is coming in book sales. From, oh yeah, yeah. From coming on and all. Well, all and fans. I have been reading all about it, but I am I'm going to read that book. Um, I'm excited for it. Mm-hmm. Yes, go to. Uh, I, I think in a little. She she's selling at this little shop called um, Amazon. Is that what it is? So I think yeah, um, you might have to search a little bit to find uh, the store that it's at. I'm assuming it's like a Barnes and Noble or a local bookstore, but uh, Amazon. If uh, you're privy to that, give it a shot and, and like the look river. It up. Yeah. All right. So um, we are going to continue on tonight. We are going to do our top five drafts of 2018 because with um, Shelly coming on, we are uh, opening the yearbook, correct? Oh, yeah. We should have opened the yearbook at the beginning of uh, the episode. But I guess this is the official opening of the yearbook, right? So we're going to do our top five drafts of 2018 uh, movies and TV. So um, we're going to get into that tonight. We're going to start with movies. Uh, we did our little uh, pick the uh, order of the draft before the show. We're going to have Pete go first. Good job, guys. You survived without me there. Brad, yeah. My dogs were just going absolutely bonkers to the point Larry, where I could Larry not was, Larry leave was it. Give her hell. Must have been a squirrel outside or something. Oh so we're going to have Pete, Pete go first in movies. Brad will go second, and I will bring up the rear as I want to do. Uh, as you are want to do. Yeah. Yes, with the movies. All right. And we are starting right now with movies then. Yes. The number one. I heard the we opened the yearbook. Selection. We did open we the did open yearbook. It's exciting. Yes. Here we go. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, Pete. What do you got? So I'm at the podium right now. Yes. Are you ready? First overall uh, the pick. First one I'm going with. There's there's a few uh, that that I could pick, but I'm going to go with Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom. Okay. Out of the Jurassic Park series, which my family all loves, and in fact, Number we should go back overall and uh, pick that one. Yes. Well, a, I am also a lot going... of mine, by the way, are ones that we enjoy as as a family because it was like this is the era of going to movies as a family. So yep. there you go. Pre-pandemic. I am yes. also going to go the uh, franchise route, and I'm going to pick my number one choice here, Mission Impossible Fallout, mm-hmm. because those movies are just the greatest thing. I just saw the new Mission Impossible this weekend. You did? Is it good? Oh, God, it was so good. Was it kicking impossible? <laughs> it's kicking impossible. <laughs> this mission just got a whole lot more impossible. <laughs> It was awesome. Um, they're so entertaining, and they're so great in the action. Uh, it just, I just can't get enough. So, Excellent. I am going to go with my number one pick. Um, I'm going to go Rami Malek in Bohemian Rhapsody. Ah, good choice. That was probably my next one. All right. My pick already again, huh? All right. Um, I am going with the greatest showman. The greatest showman. Was that from that year? I don't even have that on my list. It's on my list that I picked from. I, I think I got my list from IMDb. It. Do we? 
I'm not saying I, it's not because I wouldn't really have it on my list. Well, no. I'll are we catching Pete? Are we catching him? I think we may be. 2017. <laughs> well, it's probably again. It's, we it's opened the yearbook. The top gro- one of the top grossing films of the year. That's not how we do it, though. That's not how we I do. Know, but it's like all these lists that I find. Do you want to uh, pick a different one? Yes, I think he needs to. Uh, or you can leave it vacated, like the Vikings would. We'll give it. We'll just have him come back around. He'll pick. Uh, pick. God, that's that. such a that's such a good pick too. It would be. Um, uh, now the pressure is really on. Classic Pete. <laughs> Breaking Bad. Um, you know, this was one that we just saw for the first time a, a month ago, and I I don't care. You guys might laugh. I loved it. Mamma Mia. Oh, I love uh, Mamma Mia. Mamma Mia, here this we go is again. Here we go again, though. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, geez. No, yes. I'm just saying. We'll go with it. Yeah, yeah. Pete, it's okay. Yeah. I'm clarifying that this was the year the sequel came out. Here we go again. You just won my daughter's vote in the um, draft. All right, good. All right, I had that as an option on my list. I am going to pick um, a movie that I watched with my son, and this was one of the first ones that got him into this genre, and that is A Quiet Place. Oh, dang it! He is, uh, we watch a lot of horror movies together, um, and this was one of the first ones that... uh, Kind of got that going. How about that? And it's a great movie. I love it. And I love Emily Blunt, and she's just fantastic. How about the tub scene where she's giving birth? That's that a lot. Was, that was uh, very, very hard to watch. Very, uh, yeah. yeah. I am going to go with Deadpool 2 on this one. Big fan of those movies. All right, I'm going to go another franchise. This is uh, the Avengers franchise with Black Panther. Black Panther. That is from the big year. Okay, I'm going to go to the movie. I guess I'll pick the movie that won the Oscar that year, and it is a reviled Oscar winner by many that I've noticed on the social media, but Green (laughs) Book is my pick, and I thought it was a great movie. I loved it. Was it I Facebook? love was, it as well. Was it Facebook comment comments guy, Brad? <laughs> oh no, they would have all loved the movie. <laughs> all right, I am gonna go with uh, Red Sparrow. Jennifer Lawrence in a very revealing role, which uh, also helped move it up Classic my board. Classic Gifford. Thank you. All right. Um, Ready Player One. Very good movie. We That's should really a, read the book. Another then. one we loved as the, as a as a family. All right, we're up to I our number loved it. four pick. Uh, this is a movie that um, kind of an under the radar one, but I just thought it was so good. It was such a sweet family movie. It has Mark Wahlberg and one of my favorite actresses in the world, Rose Byrne. Instant Family. I don't think I saw that. Yeah, and I would highly recommend it. All right. We all really enjoyed that. 
All right, I am taking Super Troopers 2. All right, and I will go with Ralph Breaks the Internet. Hmm, that was pretty good. Nice. All right, my last choice. I've got two left here in bold. Um, I'm going to pick the movie again. I'll tie this back to my son. Um, so we all we bought our new house. We all got a movie poster to hang on the wall down there because we had this big wall and it's kind of a movie room. And he chose the poster to the movie Love Simon, which is about a kid in high school who comes out as gay and it's a whole or actually he's outed right is that how it goes it's it's a great movie though it's just mm -hmm. wonderfully done and the the theme and the tone and just it's all just played just correct just right excellent well you guys went ahead and took um some franchises you know with your first overall picks i'm gonna end with a franchise and i'm gonna take the predator huge fan of all of these movies yeah you're just always talking about predator it's outstanding i want to get to the chopper god it never shuts up about the predator so i got a whole bunch more listed here i don't know oh about yeah you guys. me too uh, Go ahead. Ga game night never with uh, jason bateman and rachel mcadams is that who was in that yes. she is for sure that was a good movie um there was a movie called Blockers with Leslie Mann and um, John Cena, and they're like their parents blocking their dog. It's that's another really good one that was kind of a surprise small movie. Yep. Uh, there was a movie called Tag with John Hamm and Gal Gadot. That was pretty fun. Actually, I really enjoyed. Wait, no, no, Scott no. Was I don't think Gal yeah. Gadot was she? Oh well, maybe I'm thinking of a different movie. You're thinking of the Keeping Up or something with Yeah, you're right. But Tag, he was in it. Tag had John Hamm in yeah. it, and it was excellent. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, I could have picked Skyscraper, kind of the new Die Hard with uh, The Rock. That was the way Rock. fun. Actually, my next choice was the movie Eighth Grade, which was like a low-budget, like an indie movie about eighth grade. And it was fantastic. Well-named. It, it was like one of the most like real types of those movies. Sure. A Simple Favor with Blake Lively came out that year and Anna Kendrick. Anna Kendrick, yep. Uh, there was a movie called Thoroughbreds about these young girls um, who, like, they had a lot of money. And it was it was an interesting movie. That was pretty good. Sure. The Hate the Hate You Give, I had taught that book for several years in school, and the movie came out that year. Uh, Vice mm -hmm. with um, Christian Bale and, and so on. That was great. On the basis of sex about um, RBG. Is that who? Wait, am I? I'm like so. My mind is not working. That's who that was about, right? Yes. Which one? On the basis of sex. It was about the Supreme Court. That's yes, yes. I believe that's correct. Yep. And then I have to mention maybe my wife's favorite movie of the last like 20 years. The newer Grinch, The Grinch with Benedict okay. Cumberbatch. She just watches that every year and thinks that it's just the greatest movie and can't get enough of it. I don't of know if I've seen that one because I, I yeah. did not like the Jim Carrey one. Oh, this is totally different. This is totally just an animated, different. nice okay. fun. It's it's good. All right. So I'm done. Give it a whirl. Saw a lot of movies that year. Yeah. Um, I got on my list Infinity War. That you know that might have been a little bit of a big hit that year. 
Um, Venom. Uh, I can't believe nobody brought up a Star is Born yet. That's what yeah. I that was next on my list. Um, there's that one. Mm-hmm. And did you have another one, Gifford? Um, we got Creed 2. I enjoyed Bad Times at the El Royale. I tried to watch that once that, and I could not do it. That was I thought it would one. be cool and I just couldn't mm-hmm. I couldn't do it. And the new um the Oceans 8 with the all the women, I enjoyed it. I like those mm-hmm. Oceans movies. I, bet. That, I don't know if I saw that or not. That <laughs> was fun. The it's way got they, Sandra Bullock. I know who's in it. I just yeah. And then the last one, um, you know totally how. freaky horror movie, uh, Hereditary. Was, oh, I saw uh, that. Well, that was that was tough, man. I mean, but holy cow, what a movie! Um, so yeah, that's that's uh, pretty much. I got a couple more, but yeah, they're not awesome or anything. So go ahead, Pete. Yeah. I've got uh, Fantastic Beasts, the Crimes of Grindelwald. If you're a Harry Potter fan, I figured you would one. have that in your list. I found those Fantastic <clears throat> Beast movies so hard to follow. I just could. They not. are hard to. I mean, follow, I kind of liked them, but like, I'm half the time I'm like, what's going on here? I cool. just, uh, yeah, I feel that way about most of the Harry Potter movies too. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we, uh, there is the one that I want to see. I haven't seen it, but. The Meg is on. Oh, I saw that. Is that from that year? Yeah, it's from that year. It's on this list. That's not. I mean, it's what you expect. It was. It was. uh, We saw it in the theater. It was fun to go see. Who's probably not as good to watch it. Main actor in it. Isn't it The Rock? No, I thought The Rock was in. No, I don't remember who's in it. Wasn't Thomas Jane? Was it? Why am I thinking Thomas Jane? That must be a different show. Was The Rock in a sequel to it though, or something? Because I thought the Meg Two has Jason. Oh, Jason Statham. Oh, that's right. He was in it. Spoiler alert! He's also in the second one. Okay. So, yeah. All right. Um, The Trench is what the second one's called. There's a couple of ones like Solo, the Star Wars movie. If you're into Star Wars. You know, it was okay. It bridged. Uh, yeah. It bridged that story. Um, Actually, the second time I watched it, I did like it better than I did the first time. It wasn't as bad okay. as I thought. What I remember right. from that movie is the very end when you see Darth Maul. Right? Isn't that what you see at the end of that movie? I think so. Yeah, that yeah. was cool. Good job, guys. We right. saw a lot of movies that year. Yeah, yeah, we did. Ton. Did you have more, Peter? Is that it? Oh, that's good. We can go over to uh, TV now. All right. right. So for TV, GIF is first, and I'm in the middle again, and Pete's last. Reverse order. Mm Mm-hmm. So I am going to go with a little-known television show that we're going to talk about later this month, and that is Life in Pieces. And it shouldn't be little-known. If it's little-known, you got to watch it. It's it's just fantastic. We'll talk more about it then. Pete, GIF's picking it, so. Yep. All right, I'm going to pick a show that was on at this time on, uh, I believe it was on Amazon. And it was one of the funniest, like, short-run series I've ever watched. But also just so true to life. It was Catastrophe. Did you watch that, Gif? Oh, yeah, I watched that. I don't or think Pete, so. It's got Rob Delaney and then Sharon Horgan, this Irish actress. And she is just one of the most awesome, funny women I've seen. Perfect. For and role. they he's an American who goes and like accidentally gets her pregnant. And then it's all about how they like figure out what to do. And it's so good. And it's so funny. And I just loved it. All right. My pick, I'm going to go with Jack Ryan. 
uh, with uh, mm -hmm. John Krasinski. Awesome, awesome show. If you like the action, and John Krasinski, he should be a bigger action star because he is, uh, you don't think of him if you watch The Office, you don't mm -hmm. think of him as an action star, but he's a totally different guy, and he was awesome. Yeah, and I didn't watch it in 2018, and I have not watched the latest season that just came out. But I have either. watched. I have watched, watched. the uh, the subsequent ones. Um, excellent, excellent show. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and take my number two pick as Shit's Creek. Good choice. Can't go wrong. We, we've got an episode on it. We, we all watched it after this year, but uh, this was a. Um... One of those strange shows that got stronger and stronger and stronger right up to the end. So uh, about a year ago, year and a half ago, we had our episode on Schitt's Creek. It's great. Mm -hmm. All right, I'm going to pick. Oh, there's so many. So I'm going to try to stick to the shows I watched at the time. And this was the first season of a show that just ended. So I'm going to pick Barry. That first season was Bill Hader awesome. and Henry Winkler, and this was the year it started, and I watched it right away and loved it. Yep. Same year. All right. I'm going to go um, with a show I've started watching, haven't gotten all the way through it yet, Ozark. Yes. So we watched that in 2020 and then on ourselves. But, yes, it came out. It was during this time, and it was such a great show. Yes, it was. I am going to take uh, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I watched that at that time, too. I just finished it. It's awesome. You watched it, all seasons? All seasons, yes, really? sir. I, I quit. I gave up after, like, two. I couldn't quite keep going, but... Oh, man. It's... I, I loved it. It's good, and it had... A, I mean, I, I just... Yeah. I couldn't Courtney sustain I it. it. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that. All right. All right. Uh, another show. It's my turn, Pete. Shut your mouth. I know. I know. <laughs> I'm gonna. I don't know why you haven't picked this yet. I'm gonna snipe this one from you because I know you probably want it. I'm gonna pick Cobra Kai. Oh, good one. Yep. Was this season one of Cobra Kai? Yeah. Yeah, it is. So, so Pete didn't pick either Shit's Creek because that was that. his his pick for when we did Shit's Creek. Yeah. Right. And yep. he didn't pick Cobra Kai, which we will be talking about later. On Pete's uh, behalf here, as that was his pick for this month. Correct. And my next pick is Black Mirror. I like the show. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it, but it's. I watched like uh, some show. of the the first season. I've seen some of the episodes. I've watched it's... all. And Pete, you know that a uh, uh, four or five more came out this year. Yeah, I did hear ones. that. Yeah, yeah. And you don't have to watch it in succession. It's all individual stories. Right. So it's like you don't have to worry about like what seasons or whatever that you've watched. Do I uh, want to bring up the fact that there wasn't a season of Black Mirror in 2018? I just have that it's listed from 2011 ongoing. That's what my thing. We're going to let that one go. Pick We're going to let that Thank one go. You. There was a season in 17. There was a season in 19. Well, there you oh, go. Screw <laughs> Average is out. God, I hate you. Why, why do you even have to say that shit? Uh, I love it. Pete, I'm well, okay with I that one. I would have written that one. That out. I would have written it down, Pete. Um, but it's not an 18 because I watched every episode. And when that new season came out, um, 
when did that come out? June 15th. I watched the five episodes, I think, in two days. All right. So and what are you taking? Uh, uh, yeah. My turn. I'm going to go with... Uh, I'm going to go with the Americans. Oh, that's a good pick. Is that not done by this time? Nope. Really? No, the Americans finished. I might be wrong. I might have pulled a Pete. But Americans. Oh, for God's sakes, come up already. Well, while you're looking for that, I'll make my pick. Uh, I'm going to pick Brooklyn Nine-Nine. One of the best sitcoms of the last decade. Americans finished in 2018. Okay. Brooklyn right. Nine Nine's my pick. I'll allow it. You'll allow uh, it. Um, better call Saul. Ah, shit. That was my next pick. Very good. Are you just picking that, Pete? Have you watched it? I've watched most of it. Uh, I haven't gotten all the way through that one yet either, but Ooh. I've watched enough of it. All right. Shoot, that was going to be my last pick, Pete. Uh, All right. Uh. I've got two that were, I believe, on HBO. And they're just one season, although the second one, I think, has a follow-up. I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with Sharp Objects. Oh, Amy I did Adams. not like that show very much. Oh, man, the end of that. Whoo, boy, that was a good one. That was, um, I watched it all, and I you know, love Gone Girl and Jillian Flynn, but that just, that, uh, I don't know, it's just kind of an ugly show. Couldn't, didn't love it. Didn't love it? Um, I'm going to pick, God, I got a, several left I could pick that are good ones. I'm going to pick one that uh, my wife and I watch together and love. So I could pick the one I watch, but I'm going to pick the one we watch together. And on Netflix, uh, the movie, the show Atypical mm. was on yes. at this time. And that is such a wonderful show. One of Courtney's favorites. Such a feel good, just great show. It's. Yeah. Take it home, Pete. I'll finish it off with a Big Bang Theory. Is that the last season? No, I've got 2019 is what my thing says is the last season. Okay. It could have been 2018 to 19. Yep. Um, but yeah, it just says it, it ended in 2019. Okay. So the other show that I was going to pick, I don't think either one of you probably watched, but it was on FX, You're the Worst. You I watch watched some of that. Yeah. I really liked that show. It got, I mean, at the end here, it was a little bit, but the first couple seasons were really fun. A very different couple interesting characters. Uh, another Netflix show with uh, the girl that played Britta on Community. Um, Love was a was a really mm -hmm. fun show. Yep. Another HBO show, Crashing, about the uh, Pete Holmes. He was a stand-up comedian. I I got to recommend it to you guys. That show was just fantastic. He so is so interesting and funny and he's like this straight lace like christian guy so it's just it's not maybe what you expect about a stand-up it's it's hilarious but isn't he like is it like couch surfing type stuff like well yeah because he's yeah. yeah yeah so he and he's very poor yeah uh yellowstone was around yep. at this time already i had that down 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Gifford, you talked about Pete picking things. You were going to pick the good place for this month, yep. and then you didn't even put it in your top five. I didn't five. put it in my top five. Nope. I uh, had succession. Highlighted. Yeah, I'm Gifford. watching Succession right now. That started in 2018. Good Girls. I loved that show for a long time. It was on NBC. Gif, you probably didn't see it. Okay. And uh, AP Bio had a couple short seasons, and that was a pretty fun show with okay. one of the guys from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. That was the rest of mine. Pete, you got anything else? No, I was kind of stretching towards the end there, so I'm good. Um, I got one season uh, of B- The Bodyguard I thought was pretty good. Um, also, Dancing with the Stars, I watched both seasons, or both, yeah, both seasons in this year. Um, and also SNL. Watching oh, yeah, you can always use that. Good choice. Yep. yep. That pretty much uh, everything I got. So we're not drafting music, but did you guys even look at it? No, I did not. <laughs> what did you if have? We, if... I just wanted to throw out two albums. That's it. That's all I got. Okay. Uh, so one of my favorite bands is The Vaccines, and they had an album from that year. But yeah. the one that would be kind of well-known is uh, Casey Musgraves' Golden Hour. Won a whole bunch of awards. Um, and I love Casey Musgraves. I brought her up before, and this was kind of her peak of uh, just it wasn't actually my favorite album of her first three but it was it got all the awards and was considered just one of the greatest things ever okay so that's all i had i couldn't even come up with more Gifford, wow. do you know who do you know who my pick would be if we we're drafting music uh my guess is preacher row you got it how'd you know <laughs> i i don't know it, it, <laughs> maybe it's the end of the episode um oh, i don't know you always lay right. it out so well maybe i know you so well pete that's right that's right no? yep we right, would thanks do again well. to Shelly Herman for being on. Uh, it was a great time we had with her. And um, yep. here we go, 2018. Let's get it done, boys. Yeah, for you and I would do well on the newlywed game. We would. Let's kick ass. All right. Bye. Thanks for listening. Bye. Yeah.